this week's episode, Mason and Joe are joined by featured guest Joey Blackwell to analyze Alabama football's week one depth chart as well as preview its season opener against Utah State. It's the All Things Bama podcast powered by MammothCentral.com. Joey Blackwell and Joe Shots. Again, you probably might, you guys might be familiar with the podcast, but this is actually the reboot. We're bringing it back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, to introduce the co-host of this episode, we have Joey Blackwell, longtime reporter of Bama Central. Joey, how you been? Doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, those of you that recognize my voice will might recognize me as the co-host for the All Things Bama podcast back when Tyler Martin was the host, but he has since moved on to bigger and better things. So this podcast took a bit of a break but now we are back and looking forward to not only just another college football season but another college athletic season and another podcast right here beside Mason Smith. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you Joey and now also joining us one of the newer writers on the Bama Central staff Joe Schott. Joe how are you doing? I'm good I'm good uh happy to be here um you know I haven't I've been in a podcast a lot but I'm looking forward to it uh you know excited to talk college football excited to wake up at you know Nine watch games from eleven to eleven. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most. So happy to be here. Yeah, and you need to watch that. You need to watch that Texas Alabama game because that will be starting at yeah. eleven a.m. So yeah. you will be watching them all. There'll day. be a couple brunch kickoffs for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're all excited for the upcoming season. But the first thing we're going to discuss today is the depth chart. Of course, the Monday before the game, we know it's depth chart Monday, where we are, we now know the starters heading into Saturday's game against Utah State. You guys, Joe, we started with you. What are some of the notable uh, things about the depth chart going into Utah State? Well, three things left off the page for me. You know, first things first, I, I'm just looking at the wide receivers. Joe, you walked in here and you hadn't seen the depth chart yet. And you immediately like, whoa, because you looked at the wide receivers. I think, you know, the injury to JoJo Earl is a lot bigger than people think. And I think that's why we see such shuffling. You know, I think Treshawn Holden is obviously, you know, listed as the starter at Z. Ahead of Ja'Cory Brooks, then you have an ex, Jermaine Burton, which, you know, that's, that's the one not surprise. We knew Jermaine Burton was going to start there. But he's ahead of Tyler Harrell. And then at eight, you have Kobe Fre- Prentice, a true freshman. You know, you don't really see a lot of true freshmen start on Nick Saban teams. If they do, they typically start at wide receiver. Um, but, you know, Prentice is ahead of both Leary and running back Emmanuel Henderson Jr., who's been shifted over there during fall camp uh, with JoJo Earl's injury. And just, you know, the offensive line is another thing you, know, you can look at. Darian Dalport, I think, um, starting at center is kind of a little bit of a surprise. Emil Ekior, we knew he was going to be a guard. J.C. Latham at right tackle really isn't that big of a surprise either. Tyler Steen at left tackle, that's not a surprise. And then Kendall Randolph, we knew he was going to be somewhere, just maybe not knew exactly where. But him starting ahead of J.B. on Cohen is interesting. I kind of thought that we might see Cohen on this starting line, but in order to keep myself from getting long-winded, I do have one more thing to say. I think <laughs> Jaheim Otis starting at a nose guard on defense, splitting that starting job, excuse me, with DJ Dale. I think that really shows how much he's, you know, we everybody's seen, you know, the viral stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, with him losing weight, you know, and him kind of improving himself, but him working his way all the way up to splitting a starting job with a the veteran nose guard for Alabama. I think that says a lot about him as not just a player, but as it says a lot about his mentality. 
I definitely agree with that. And before before I give my two cents, I want I want Joe to go. Joe, what are just one or two things that about the depth chart that definitely caught your eye when you read through one time? Yeah, I think I mean obviously I just got it not too long ago for the first time, but looking at it, uh, like Joey said, the receivers is interesting. I you know to see a guy like Jacory Brooks kind of down in the depth chart a little bit. Uh, you know I think like you mentioned with uh, Prentice, Kobe Prentice at that H receiver spot, it's kind of kind of interesting, but like you know. Like you said, Joey, I mean, Saban tends to, you know, freshman starts, it's, it's receiver. Um, the other thing I, I found kind of interesting was the offensive line. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, it's been, you know, it's it's fairly straightforward. Like, you know, like you said, Joey, I'm sorry, I don't want to repeat everything you said. <laughs> but My that, points were just that great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Tyler Steen coming from Vanderbilt, what, what he can do at the left tackle. It's interesting, I thought, you know, Looking at some of the names, I'm like, yeah, some of the guys that, you know, like I brought up before we started, you know, Brockermeyer and some of the other kind of recruits I thought would, would at least be on the list that they're not. So that's a little surprising. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go defensively real quick. Um, I guess, it, you know, one thing that caught my eye, just something that I, I guess I missed out or something was Malachi Moore at the safety position now. I'm going to have to get used to that. Um, you know, a couple of the other secondary guys, <clears throat> excuse me. Couple of the other secondary guys moving, but um, you know those are that's my two cents, probably one, three cents. One thing I would like to note real quick is that this is not the full depth chart. You know, this mm-hmm. is the depth chart heading into Utah State. So if any Alabama fans are confused by that, most of you that are listening to this podcast probably aren't. But if there are a couple out there that are, this is not the full depth chart for the entire year. Obviously, we have a couple of players injured. Cameron Latu at tight end is a great example. JoJo Earl is going to be out for six to eight weeks. Tyler Harrell has been having an injury in fall camp, and we're no doubt going to see him after he recovers in the next few weeks here. But this this depth chart is just heading into week one, you know, heading into the first game of the season. It's by far not finalized as far it's it's very fluid. So just because you know you don't see Brockermeyer on there or you don't see Latu on there, it doesn't mean these players are gone. It just means that this is what we're working with heading into this first game of the season. You're definitely on the money with that, Joey. Now, two two particular positions catch my eye as well. The first one on defense, specifically at the cornerback position. You have Kool-Aid McKinstry starting at one corner spot, but then you have Tyrion Arnold starting at the other. For most of the summer and most of camp, we heard of the three-horse race between Kool-Aid McKinstry, Kyrie Jackson, and the LSU transfer Eli Ricks. Now, Eli Ricks was dealing with an injury after the first scrimmage, and he has kind of hasn't recovered, according to Nick Saban. Well, I shouldn't say hasn't recovered, but I say he hasn't really participated as much as he has prior to the injury. So maybe that has something to do with him not starting this week at Utah State. But that is something to keep an eye on, and we're also looking forward to seeing Terry Arnold perform. But the second point that I'm really interested as I look at it now, kickoff return. Ja'Cory <laughs> Brooks and Jameer Gibbs. Those two guys, I think are going to be really electric, you know, for kickoff returns, especially with Gibbs, because as anybody knows, Jameer Gibbs had an electrifying performance as kickoff returner back at Georgia Tech. He actually received an all-ACC selection for that. And if he's, you know, going to share the share the field with Ja'Cory Brooks, I think it's going to be a really exciting thing to keep in mind. So I'm definitely looking forward to the kickoff return and punt return where Kool-Aid McKinstry and Jermaine Burton and Brian Branch are all slated to get some touches at punt return. Yeah, you know, I think the Brooks-Gibbs combo is interesting just because you have Jameer Gibbs, who's lightning fast. He's very quick. He's very agile. Corey Brooks, not as much as Gibbs, but at the same time, he's also quick. But more importantly, he's got that agility. He's got that, those fast cuts. You know, we saw that a lot on display late in the Iron Bowl last year. 
know, this guy has a lot of potential. So even though Brooks didn't get the starting job at wide receiver, I think he really has an opportunity to contribute on kickoff returns. No doubt they're going to have split backs. They're going to have them both back there. That's typically how Saban likes his kickoffs. They usually have two men deep. Um, so I, I think that we'll see a lot of Gibbs catching and Ja'Cory Brooks blocking, but if it happens the other way around, uh, no doubt these guys are going to be, I think, a pretty good tandem back. Last point before we move on to the next topic. This is breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> Bryce Young is the starter. <laughs> yeah. yes. no, Shocked everybody. No we can't believe it. But to kind of transition to the next topic, we're going to talk about Alabama's first opponent of this season, the Utah State. Man, they they really did a number against UConn. It, it was really interesting to watch them play. But the Aggies put up 31 points after scoring 24 of those points unanswered in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Joe, we're going to start with you. What are some things that you saw about the Utah State Aggies that you want to bring to life? Um, well, I think the, the first thing, I mean, I think as, um, you know, as Alabama fans, we don't. Some of us are not thinking Utah State football week zero. So, <laughs> That's fair. Completely um, fair. So, you know, and I get that. But I think, you know, kind of the one thing that stuck out to me was they're obviously, they're no pushover. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of the times, you know, Alabama, you look at the schedule, you're like, okay, like, easy win, easy win. I don't, you know, Utah State, the scoreline might not be, you know, I'm hoping it's not too great for Alabama, you know, for them. But I think for, for the way that they played on Saturday, it's definitely going to be, Challenging. I mean, we were talking about it before. They have you know six, seven receivers. They got height. They got length. The fact that they were down fourteen nothing and then scored twenty four unanswered points. I think that shows kind of how their, um, you know, kind of like what their mindset is. They didn't get down. They didn't get knocked out. Because I mean, UConn is you know kind of not, not a great team. So I think if you go down to them, it's easy to lose composure. Um, for, but for them to rally back, yeah, I think it was it was a solid win for the Aggies and. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do you know, next week. You know, I think that this is a, an under, very underrated Utah State team. Will they be able to beat Alabama? We all know uh, that's, we all know that's uh, not <laughs> But at the same time, you know, this is a Utah State team. They went 11-3 and last year. They won the Mountain West. Yeah, people, people, people forget that. Um, Blake Anderson did a really good job of turning that program around in one year. So Utah State's offense really did impress me against UConn. Yes, they were down by 14 early, but like you said, Mason, they had those 24 unanswered points in the second quarter. Um, Logan Bonner was fantastic at quarterback, you know, 20 for 29 with 281 yards and a trio of touchdowns. They had a couple of really solid running backs in Calvin Tyler Jr. and Robert Briggs, um, both of them uh, recording pretty solid stats. Briggs had eight and a half yards of carry. Um, Calvin Tyler had 161 yards on those 31 carries, which is impressive. If any running back, it reminds me of Brian Robinson oh. Jr. from last year with you know, taking on that heavy workload. But, you know, I think this is a solid team. Now, like I said, while their offense is solid, their defense is really where their struggles are. And I think that's that's going to be the end-all, be-all against this Alabama team. Yes, Brian, yes, this is a new offensive line for Alabama. Yes, this is pretty much an entire new wide receiver core, barring a couple <laughs> of returners. Um, but I think that... <clears throat> this this is really where Alabama is going to shine against Utah State. Utah State might be able to put up you know a good 14, 17 points against Alabama, but I think that Alabama is going to run through them like a sieve. Unfortunately, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of problems for the for the Aggies this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be surprised at that. 14, 14, 17, maybe even three total touchdowns. I wouldn't even put it past Utah State to get three touchdowns against Alabama. But what's three touchdowns? The to seven touchdowns. So it's just interesting to keep that in mind. But one thing I do want to also touch on, too, Justin McGriff of Utah State. You can't teach 6'6". 
You cannot yeah. teach six foot six. And even mm -hmm. if you know he's overlisted as you know some dev charts plan to do to be listed as six six, that means he's probably at least six four six five in in real time. So with that in mind, with Jameer not not Jameer Gibbs, excuse me, with Kyrie Jackson being the tallest corner I think on the roster at six three, you know it's going to pose just a simple physical challenge. Understanding you know trying to match up with that, and also keep in mind. Utah State does a great job of spreading the love when it comes to the passing game. Three different receivers, Brian, Brian Cobbs, Kyle Van Leeuwen, and Justin McGriff all had at least 50 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be a case of the Alabama defense being able to zero on one particular receiver. They're going to have to keep everybody in check. And even with that, like you talked about, uh, Joey, Calvin Tyler having over 150 yards on over 30 carries, that's a huge low. But you can do that when you're able to have a balanced attack. So um, I'm really interested to see what Utah State does on offense more than defense. The other thing that I just want to kind of get out there, the fact that, um, you know, when I was looking at the Utah State and the box score and when I was watching a little bit of the game, uh, didn't turn the ball over. You know, we yeah. talked about Bonner, three touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, no, no uh, fumbles from Tyler. And I think that that goes a long way, especially week once week zero, week one for them, when you're still kind of feeling at that rest, the ability to play smart, not turn the ball over, is something that I think they did really good against UConn. So we do have to provide some perspective, though. This is UConn. We're talking yeah, about. <laughs> yeah. You, not yeah. exactly, not exactly the uh, most, you know, not exactly the best defense in college football. You know, they against <clears throat> Utah State, they did surrender. Let's see, they had two hundred. Utah State had two hundred eighty-one passing yards and two hundred sixty-one rushing yards, so over five hundred yards of total offense. Um, uh, against UConn. So we do have to put that in perspective. This Alabama defense is going to be a lot better than UConn's. Um, but no, I, I, I do. I hope so. I do agree with you, though. That is impressive that they didn't give up, you know, surrendering and turnovers. But I, I, I just want to get that out there. We shouldn't really yeah. be equating these two teams. Actually, when you think about it, UConn's one of the best teams in the country in basketball. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe they can get some kind of luck from the Huskies on the hardwoods and maybe transition to the the football field. But one thing as we kind of make it focus more on the Crimson Tide going into <clears throat> this weekend's first season open or the season open, I should say, in Brian Denny Stadium. Joe, what is one player, just give me one player on Alabama's roster that you're looking forward to see this weekend? Um, well I think as far as kind of the the guy I'm I'm most excited to see, it would probably have to be Jameer Gibbs, just Obviously, we haven't seen him in the Alabama uniform besides, you know, spring game and, and some practice tapes. But um, I would have to say him. I would imagine that, you know, against, you know, as much as we just talked up Utah State, against, a, you know, a Utah State team, I would imagine he's going to get a, a – he might get a sizable workload um, starting out the back. So, I guess he would be one guy that I'm, I'm pretty excited to see hopefully run all over them. So. Yeah, you know, and, and for me, I, I think yeah, I mean, the obvious answer is, is Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr., but I, I don't want to answer those two guys. Obviously, it's going to be great to see them and, and see how they carry their, their talent from last year. But I want to say, you know, this guy I talked about earlier, Jaheim Otis. I'm wanting to see, you know, mm -hmm. him at nose guard. I'm wanting to see him wind up there, you know, with a couple of defensive ends, maybe a Will Anderson and Dallas Turner bookending him, you know, there in the middle of the defensive line because this is, you know, how often, I, I don't know the exact stat, but I'd like to see how many true freshmen um, you know, share a starting role with a senior at Alabama under Nick Saban on defensive line. Like that's very impressive. And you know, seeing you know all of all of his, you know, I know Jeff Allen's been sharing on on Twitter his videos of his like workout progress, and we've seen how much weight he's lost as well in the off season. I want to see just what kind of a beast we're dealing with here. You know, this is a guy that even as a freshman, like I said, has worked his way into that starting role, and he has to be 
very, very impressive. And even Nick Saban said today that how they judge, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty cut and dry, but how they judge off of, you know, who to get on the defensive interior line is, well, who can stop the guys the most, you know? And that's, that's kind of, I sound like a duh thing, but if you apply that to Jaheim Otis, that he's been one of the best guys on the team in stopping the rush with Jameer Gibbs and with uh, other solid running backs, you got to like what this guy has been able to do. And I'm really excited to see what he can do on the defensive front. That might be one of the best in the country if you throw in Will Anderson, Dallas Turner into that mix. No, definitely. When it comes to Jaheim Otis and Kobe Prentice, one thing I want to say before I share my piece that one of the other great Bama Central writers, Katie Wyndham, she's coming out with a piece soon detailing the Alabama depth chart, giving her mm-hmm. five takeaways from it. So, of course, tune into BamaCentral.com to see what she has to say about that. Mm-hmm. Now, Joey, you talked about not talking about Will Anderson and Bryce Young. Well, I'm going to talk about Will Anderson and Bryce Young. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So, I definitely agree that those those two guys, at least for me, are two of the main people to watch, not just because of their leadership stature. Of course, we talked about during Monday's press conference that Bryce Young and Will Anderson like fire and ice, you know, in terms of their leadership style. Will Anderson being the more fiery one. You know, Bryce Jones being the more level-headed, being calm, cool, and collected, which you might, which you kind of want from your quarterback, so we understand that. Mm-hmm. But another reason why I'm looking forward to those guys, it's, I won't say redemption, because, of course, they had a great year last year, saved the championship game. But, of course, when you don't finish with a championship, and you're arguing as some of the best players at your respective positions in the country, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of becomes a bigger thing than winning. They, they, they want to win. They understand that, you know, you, you respect your opponents, you know, and individual stats are great. But it eventually comes to where they want something, you know, to really represent themselves, really kind of like take it to the next level and kind of football, college football lore. You know, we talk about players like Tim Tebow and other players like that, that, you know, kind of transcend the game beyond just the wins and losses, beyond personal stats. And I think Will Anderson and Bryce have opportunities to do that. And honestly, this is the last year to do it because we understand that both of those players are likely headed to the NFL draft after this year. So I'm really looking forward to see how those guys kind of, you know, take those experiences they've had in the first two years. They've already accomplished a lot of what most players would dream of in a college career. And they have one more year to even add to that. So I'm looking forward to what they, you know, do from that. Now, we've talked about the roster. We've talked about the game. But we're going to try to transition to talk about other SEC matchups that are going on this, this weekend in college football. So who wants to take the first crack? What is going on this weekend in SEC? Well, I think I can just break it down real quick and just quickly fire off these games and get y'all's reactions from y'all. First things first, you know, on on the first, so that would be, I believe, Thursday night, you have Ball State playing Tennessee. That game's going to be on SEC Network. You have Louisiana Tech that same night. An hour later, uh, at 7 p.m. Central, Louisiana Tech will be playing Missouri. And then everything else is, is on Saturday, except for a Florida State-LSU game. It's going to be on Sunday night at 6.30 Central, so that's going to be an interesting one kickoff time for that. But, you know, I, looking at the looking at these Saturday games, you have Sam Houston, Texas A&M. Um, you have Troy, Ole Miss, Utah, Florida, Miami, Ohio, Kentucky, again, and then Mercer, Auburn. Elon uh, will be playing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt already had a massive 63-10 <laughs> yeah. win over at Hawaii. Um, they looked really good. Obviously, this is Vanderbilt versus Hawaii, so we can tamper our expectations a little bit. But it does look like this is a very much improved Vanderbilt team over what we've seen in the past several years here. Then obviously Alabama, Utah State has that 6.30 kick, Mississippi State, Memphis, and then Sacramento State and Georgia State. But I left out two very important games there intentionally because I want to get to these last. Uh, I think I, I want to talk about the Oregon-Georgia game and then I'll turn it over to you guys for comment. Oregon mm-hmm. and Georgia, you know, that's a game that's going to be at 2.30. That's going to be on ABC. 
I think this is one of the one of the best matchups, not just in the SEC, but you know, uh, in in the country uh, uh, this weekend. Um, obviously, Oregon now has Bo Nix. You know, it's like Bo Nix out of the frying pan into the fire. You know, he left Auburn and now is Oregon, and his first opponent is the Georgia Bulldogs, who while they don't return a lot of defensive starters from last year, they still have a really really good defense under Kirby Smart. Um, so, what are you guys' thoughts on that game? Because I, I think that's going to be a, a must-watch TV uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 easily one of the, if not the biggest game of the weekend um, on paper. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see, and from from my perspective, just how Georgia is able to rebound from losing so many of those guys. Because I mean, we kind of saw it. Honestly, we saw it last year with Alabama. You know, in twenty twenty, they lost all the guys in the NFL. They came back and. Um, you know, you're kind of looking at where the holes were, what was strengths, weaknesses, and that. So I'm looking forward to doing that with Georgia. The other thing, too, I mean, honestly, as much as we laugh at Bonex, it's just going to be fascinating to see if he can actually do something at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe pull a, a rabbit out of the hat and, and beat Georgia and just probably derail their season from then on if they're losing <laughs> to Bonex. But, yeah, I don't know, I'm pretty excited for it. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's just kind of what I'm looking at. Oh my goodness, die. Whew. The game that's actually interesting to me is Arkansas and Cincinnati. That game is very interesting to me on a number of levels. Number one, Cincinnati also made the college football playoff last year. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they respond after really having a humbling experience to say the least, getting to the college football playoff. You know, I'm glad, you know, I'm I'm a mid-major guy. I like I like to see the little guy win, but you know, it's now really time to see, you know, was last year really a fluke or were, are they for real? And no, no better way to test that than against Arkansas, who is not considered the elite of the SEC. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> that is fair. I'll, I'll let you guys have that. But I think Arkansas will be a great test for Cincinnati because everybody understands when it comes to college football, it's really the SEC and everybody else. So if Cincinnati puts up a good showing and dare I say win and defeat the Arkansas Razorbacks, it's going to open a lot of eyes. So I'm really interested to see how that game plays out in the matter in which it plays out. You know, I wanted to save this game for last for a reason. You know, that Georgia-Oregon game, it, it, while it might be the most the highest-profile matchup of the weekend, I'm really looking forward to this Arkansas-Cincinnati game the most because I think it's an incredible matchup. You have an Arkansas team that very, very quietly improved a lot last year under Sam mm-hmm. Pittman. This is a team that is very – this is not the Arkansas we're thinking of from 2014-2015. This is an Arkansas team that is really solid – and then we have Cincinnati. I think one of their biggest question marks is last year they had one of the best secondaries in college football between Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, and now both of them have headed off to the NFL. So I'm interested to see how their how their their defensive backfield um, is shaping up for this year. But overall, this is still like you said, Mason. This is a Cincinnati team that made the playoff last year. Yeah, they might have gotten waxed by Alabama, but they still were able to make a college football playoff. Which is more than you know over a hundred other teams can say, yeah. you know. So this is that's a very impressive feat, and even harder to do as a group of five school. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to seeing how Arkansas stacks up against them. This could be a really big win, kind of a kicking down the door moment for Arkansas. Yes, I know a lot of SEC fans might not take Cincinnati seriously, but this is a really solid football team, and if Arkansas is able to dominate them early on in the season. There's really no telling how much momentum it can really get the Razorbacks heading into the rest of the year. Yeah, I think the kind of interesting thing with, with Arkansas is I, I feel like last year it was they started off really good and then they kind of got blown out by Georgia. And then yeah, well, that, who did get blown out by well, Georgia? That, yeah, that's true. Who didn't, who didn't get? But I feel like they, they got blown out by Georgia and then people just kind of forgot 
yeah. about them because they were like, oh, they're not in the top ten. Who cares? They're Arkansas. But they're, like you said, Joey, they're a really good team. So, like, Sam Pittman has got the Razorbacks going. I mean, they are – they're not the – like you said, not the Arkansas that's losing to Western Kentucky and North Texas, like mm-hmm. fake punts and stuff. Like, they're, they're going to go out there. They're going to win. I wouldn't be, you know, totally shocked if, you know, they're maybe a 9-8, you know, 9-10 win football team, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I haven't had a complete look at their schedule, but they, they are definitely headed in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, you know, like – Last year, Arkansas, they started off the season 4-0, and then they had that big, you know, 37 nothing loss. But then they lost to Ole Miss at, at Ole Miss by only one point, 52-51. They then lost 38-23 um, at home to, Ar- to, to Auburn, excuse me. But then they won three more in a row. They lost to Alabama only by a touchdown. People forget how close that Alabama-Arkansas yeah. uh, game was last year. Nails were being, being bitten. And Ar- I mean, Arkansas had the ball there late with like under two minutes, so they just couldn't get the job done to tie the game. But then, of course, they beat Missouri 34-17. Then they beat uh, Penn State in the Outback Bowl, a very solid Penn State team that is, you know, looking to – I know a lot of Auburn fans have been talking uh, and really hyping up that their matchup against Penn State this year with obvious reason because it's kind of like their Alabama Texas, you know, it's their marquee non conference matchup. So I, you know, not not to, you know, this this is an Arkansas podcast, so I'm not going to stay on you know the Arkansas train for too long here. But I, I'm just very impressed with what they've been able to do, and um, I'm really excited to see you know that game this weekend. One one thing that's interesting about that game, we kind of all just summed it up. If Arkansas wins, especially in convincing fashion against UConn, not UConn, I apologize, against <laughs> had a brain fart. Yeah, it went against Cincinnati. Thank, thank you. <laughs> but if Arkansas wins a convincing fashion against Cincinnati, then it just only goes to show how strong the SEC is from top to bottom against the rest of college football. Mm-hmm. But if Cincinnati wins, not only does I think it validate their college football playoff appearance last season, but I think it really kind of opens that door. For more group of five teams, or should we even say group of five? Because college football conferences are just a wash. Conference realignment, you never know what's going to happen. It's like a group of like 12 at this point. It really is. <laughs> but if Cincinnati is able to, if Cincinnati is able to defeat Arkansas, it, it might really open the door to have more, you know, group of five schools and quote unquote yeah. Cinderella teams that had that chance to make it into the top to the top four yeah. or top eight if we ever get to that point. And they'd have to do that at Arkansas too, which is, you know, this is a really solid venue. It's a very big stadium. It's a lot bigger than a lot of people give it credit for. It's a really nice stadium. So if they're it's able fun. to go in there, it's a ferocious environment. You know, if you haven't been to Arkansas and seen them call the Hawks, go. It's a lot of fun. Um, but it's it's if they're able to do that in an SEC stadium, there's they might just blow the lid off this whole group of five debate. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of the thing. I don't know if this can be the last point here, but kind of you know, remember Cincinnati last year went into Notre Dame and beat. Yeah, and I mean that kind of solidified. You know, they had to win the rest of the games, obviously, but that kind of said, okay, they're a real team now. And I think if they can do that again at Arkansas, and you know, let's say they win out the rest of their schedule, I don't know, I don't know who they're playing in the American, but um, if they can do that, so that's kind of another defining win for um, Luke Fickle and the Bearcats. So mm-hmm. that'll be a very good matchup. Defending head coach of the year, Luke Fickle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. But again, I think that's going to about wrap it up. Before we do that, just a couple of housekeeping things to let the audience know. Again, the All Things Memo podcast will come out once a week. We will probably film these, record these podcasts on Monday. We're aiming to have them released on Tuesday or Wednesday at the absolute latest. Myself, which is Mason Smith and Joe Schaff, will be the two main hosts. And Joe will be part of a rotating 
group of writers are part of the Bama Central team, where Joel will probably share expertise more about baseball. We might have Katie Windham share expertise about softball gymnastics. You might even have an appearance by the great Christopher Walsh. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a lot. And of course, we plan to have a lot of, you know, coaches and player interviews once we get those secured, you know, if we get the opportunity to do those. But again, thank you for tuning in for the All Things Bama podcast. See you next time.